I want to, can I tell you a funny story? This song just made me think of this story during worship. So this is how I fight my battles, you know. Can you all holler Jesus with me? Let's call on the name of Jesus. Can we do that? Come on, just holler, okay? Jesus! Yeah, see, there you go. You can get all ugly faced, you know, if you need to. It was reminding me when we were singing that song about a number of years ago in the winter. I've told this story, but do you have the title of my message on up there? No, the title of my message is, What is Your Story? So I'm preaching today in case you didn't know. Uh, years ago, I was driving to church in um, the winter, and the roads were really, really slippery. And um, I lost control of my car. And, I, and it started, you know, my dad used to do this all the time. try to freak us out, pretend like he was, you know, couldn't control the car. Anyway, that was really happening. And um, Erica was with me and I started screaming, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And because I was out of control. And then all of a sudden, the car straightened right back up and we went on our way. And I looked at my daughter and I said, and that is how you do that. (laughs) And I just thought of that this morning because... When trouble comes, what do you do? I hope you call on the name of Jesus and you can holler. You can get all ugly face when you holler. You don't care. And uh, yeah, that, I love that song. I love that song. And so I have a message this morning. I was reading the book of Ecclesiastes. Have you ever read it? Raise your hand if you've read it. Okay, when I was a baby Christian, they told me, don't, don't go there, because it's confusing, you know, because King Solomon wrote it. King Solomon was King David's son. If you remember, King David wanted to build the house for the Lord. He wanted to build the, the tabernacle, and God said, no, you're a man of war, but your son who comes after you will build my house, and he'll be a man of peace. And so that was King Solomon. And the Bible tells us that, you know, there's a controversy as to how old he was. I always thought he was 12 or something like that. I think maybe he was 20 when he became king. And um, so let me find my um, scripture here before I get too far ahead of myself. In First Kings, this is the story of... Um, Solomon becoming king, and he um, he tells God that he's just a youth; he has no experience. And uh, God called him anyway. Do you know that he'll he'll use you, even if you have no experience? There was the plan and a purpose for Solomon's life, and God called him. And uh, didn't matter that he was young. Let's go. Why don't you turn your Bibles with me to 1 Kings 3. And we're going to start with chapter 5. I'm sorry, verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5. <clears throat> Are you there? Okay. Okay, we're going to read 5 through 15. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, ask, what should I give you? 
And Solomon replied, You've shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You've continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Lord, my God, you have now made me your servant, king in my father David's place. Yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among your people. You have chosen a people too many to be numbered or counted. Can you imagine being just a youth and you are made the leader of a group of people too many, too numerous to be counted? So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked for discernment for yourself to administer justice, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father David did, I will give you long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized that it had been a dream. He went to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he held a feast for all his servants. You know, the sad end of this story is that King Solomon did not live a long life because he did not walk in the ways of his father all the days of his life. He um, took many wives, and the Bible says that they led him astray that he, uh, you know, allowed them to worship in different ways to other gods, and, and it was uh, his destruction. I read somewhere that he was like 59 when he died, which is very young, right? All you old people. <laughs> so the next story in the Bible goes on to talk about the wisdom of King Solomon, and, you know, it's a story, you can read it later if you've not read it, about the two women who came to him with babies. Do you remember? They both had babies at the same time, and they woke up one morning, and one of the babies was dead, and they came to King, well, and the, the mother, the Bible says she laid on her baby. She took the dead baby and she swapped it with the live one. So when the other woman woke up and saw this baby that had passed away, she looked at it and said, wait a minute, that ain't my baby. They went to the king and they were arguing about whose baby was whose. And the king said, all right. He called his servant and said, bring me a sword. I'll cut the baby in two. You can each have a part. And the woman who was the actual mother said, no, 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 no. Don't do any such thing. Give her the child. And he knew that that was the rightful mother, right? He was wise and um, in, goes on in First Kings a little bit farther in chapter 3, verse 28, that all Israel heard about the judgment that the king had given and they stood in awe of the king because they saw God's wisdom was in him to carry out judgment. So they knew that he was a wise man, right? 
I want to go back to the beginning of Ecclesiastes, and this is a book that um, Solomon wrote. It's right after Proverbs. If you're in believer school, you're memorizing them. King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, and, and this was the book that I, w I was cautioned against as a new believer because they said it'll be confusing. It starts out in the very first chapter, verse 1, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, absolute futility, said the teacher, absolute futility, everything is futile. If you don't know what that word means, it means useless, worthless, pointless. Everything is useless, worthless, and pointless. Absolutely everything. It sounds like he was having a really bad day. But he goes to talk in this book about everything that he tried to bring purpose and meaning to his life. And I just wrote down some of the chapter headings um, that were in my Bible, some of the things that he talked about that were absolutely meaningless, pointless, and worthless, and finding the meaning of life. He talked about the limitations of wisdom, the emptiness of pleasure, the emptiness of possessions, the emptiness of work, the mystery of time. I thought of you, Linda, because this scripture... Uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I think it is, is there was a song written by the birds in 1959 called Turn, Turn, Turn. How, how many of you old folks know that one? Yeah. For everything, there's a, a time and a season. And that's something that a, a rock and roll group in the 50s wrote a song out of Ecclesiastes 3. It was real popular, all you young people. You'll just have to take our word for it. Solomon talked about the mystery of injustice and death, the loneliness of wealth, the burden of folly. And then in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, he sums it all up. If you're going to read anything, just read the last few verses. 12, it's chapter 12, verses 9 through 14, we're going to read. In addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, explored, and arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth accurately. The sayings of the wise are like cattle prods, and those from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. The sayings are given by one shepherd. But beyond these, my son, be warned, there is no end to the making of many books, and much study worries, wearies the body. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this, fear God and keep his commandments, because this is, all, this is for all humanity. Say that with me. This is for all humanity. For God will bring every act of judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. So this book in Ecclesiastes is Solomon's story. And, and I'm so glad that he wrote it, and I, I'm, I am more mature now so I can read it without being confused and wondering, you know, why is there this book in the Bible that says everything is meaningless and pointless and useless? But 
it's the story of Solomon's life and all the things that he tried to, to find and to use to bring purpose and meaning to his life, and none of them worked. In the day that we live in right now, there are so many things that are vying for our attention and that are causing us concern. And that's kind of what I thought of after I read Ecclesiastes. How many of you are doing the Bible reading program with Pastor Rick and I? There's still a few. And I, you know, sometimes I get a couple days behind. Sometimes I get a few days ahead. And so I was ahead, so I just decided to go find something on my own to read. And, and that's what led me to the book of Ecclesiastes. But it made me stop and think about the day that we live in right now. And the search that people are, have always been on to find truth and meaning and purpose. And um, it made me think about all the things that are vying for our attention. There's sickness, there's, there's poverty, there's this whole thing with um, nobody's working or nobody wants to work or I can't, it's just blows my mind that every place you go, there's no workers. That has never happened before in my lifetime. And um, scarcity. I mean, how many of you seen all the ships that are ported around this country waiting for supplies to come in? There's scarcity. I went to the grocery store the other day, and there was no hamburger. I'm thinking, I have never seen this before. Now they're limiting your toilet paper again. <laughs> but um, there's, there's scarcity, and people are living in fear because they don't know what's going to happen, right? I was talking to um, my daughter the other day, and, and I was remembering a quote from King Solomon where he said, there's nothing new under the sun. And I've shared this with my daughters before because I remember in my great-grandmother's lifetime, there was the Second World War. I remember I, when my great-grandma died, I was just a child, but I was, a, I was allowed to go into her house and get some little nicky-nacky things. And I have this little tin can with things from my great-grandma's house, and there is a, a bread card in there that um, she never used, but that she could take to go stand in line and get bread for her family. I know in my grandmother's lifetime, the Great Depression took place, and it changed that whole generation. And in my, you know, in my great, in, excuse me, my grandmother's lifetime, they, you know, went to the bank one day, and all the banks were closed, all of them. Your money is gone. And you can't get it. And people were panicking. People jumped off bridges. People, you know, they didn't know what they were going to do. I actually had given my daughter my um, grandma's recipe box. Um, and when her and I were having this conversation, I said, oh, yeah, you have grandma's recipe box, right? And she said, yeah, you gave it to me. And I said, well, I don't know if you've ever looked at it, but I'm just going to tell you, you will never want to make any of those recipes. <laughs> Because they're Depression-era recipes. They're, you, may, you have a lard and flour sandwich, you know. <laughs> I mean, they had to make do with, you know, pig belly and I don't know what. They were farmers, and so they were fortunate. But that was my grandma's lifetime. 
In my mother's lifetime and mine, the Vietnam War took place. And do you remember those of us that were around? Some of you fought in that war. There was, um, there was riots. There was hatred. There was division in the country. We impeached a president. I mean, that was a, a, a horrible time for many, many people in this nation. So really, there's nothing new under the sun except for it kind of feels like now all those things are going to happen at the same time, you know. I know that's not good news, and I am here to encourage you today, so hang on. The current state of affairs that we are in has caused me to ask myself, and today I'm going to ask you, what are we going to do with what we've been given? All the wisdom, all my knowledge, I know a lot from this word because I've been reading it almost daily for 34 years. What other book do you read over and over and over and over and over? You know, somebody said something to me the other day about something in the Bible. And I was like, that ain't in there. I'm sure of it because I've been reading it for 34 years and I have never heard that story before. All my anointing, all my creativity, all my gifts and talents, what am I going to do with all that that I've been given? And, and, you know, as mature Christians, now there are always baby Christians. There should be baby Christians that are just coming up, that are just growing up. And, but you mature Christians, I want you to think about the fact that there is more word in you than you've ever had before in your life especially if you've been reading this word for 34 years or however long it's been, right? You've got more anointing than you've ever had. You've got more wisdom and you've got more knowledge. And by now, we should know what our gifts and talents are, right? What we're called to do. If you don't, then you should be in believer school because that's what that is for. So what are we doing with what we've been given? You know, I look around in this room, and I, I think I, I know everyone. I don't, I don't see any, any visitors or anybody that I haven't seen before. There may be. I don't think so. I think, I, I think I've met you all. What are we doing with what we've been given? Because we have been given so, so much. Right? So in light of the condition of the world, what should we be doing? I wrote down, I copied this from Rick. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Because here's what I think. I think it's time for us to open our mouths. We've got to open our mouths now. I've, you know, I, for many years, God had to work on me to shut my mouth, but because if you're called to be a mouth in the body of Christ, you know, you've got, there has to be some um, tempering, <laughs> right? Some of you don't open your mouth. And I'm telling you that it is time for us to open our mouths now. It's too late to just sit silent. We're not going to fight and argue. That's not what I want you to open your mouth for. 
I don't want you to fight and argue with anyone. Do you remember from the word of God that love is what covers over a multitude of sins? Love is what brings people to Jesus, not condemnation. Love can change a heart. And so I think it's time for you to tell your story. It's that easy. And I'm going to show you how. It's so easy for you to be a witness. If you've ever been afraid, I'm going to set you free today. It is so easy. All you have to do is tell your story. Okay? So, the book of Ecclesiastes, this is King Solomon's story. He didn't, he didn't give you a bunch of a list of rules of do's and don'ts. He told you what he tried, what worked, and what didn't work. That's his story, right? This book is full of stories, and Rick always says, oh, Diana is such a good storyteller. I want you all to become storytellers because every single one of you has a story to tell, and the world needs to hear it now more than ever, ever before. One time at a holiday gathering, we were at our house, this has been many years ago, and, the, you know, we had this one family member, you probably all got one of them too, who knows everything and isn't afraid to tell it all. And everybody kind of snuck away from the table, and I was caught in the corner with this person. And they were, and I, Rick and somebody else, I'm going to try really hard not to reveal anybody. They were, they were like smiling at me. They were like laughing at me like, oh, you're stuck in the corner with this person, you know. And I sat there and listened to the blah, 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 until I just couldn't take it anymore. And then I said, well, let me tell you what I think. <laughs> and I began to share some experiences that I had. And to my surprise, this person said, well, you can't argue with a person's experiences. <clears throat> and you know what? You can't. You, that, you know, they might come at you with, well, I had a different experience. That's okay. That's their story. But your story is your experience, right? And nobody can take that away from you. So... I recently had a conversation with somebody that I'm close to who's living in a haunted house. And um, they have consulted mediums and spiritualists and people to clear the house because there are strange things happening in the house. And I genuinely care about this person. And, you know... They've asked several times, what do you think? Do you think I'm nuts? Do you think I'm nuts? And I always say, no, I, I believe that there are demons on the earth. And you know what? We can speak the truth in love to anybody about anything. You, you might have to protect yourself from getting angry or whatever, but you can speak the truth in love. Hopefully you've got control because you're all, I know all you people. You've been coming here for a long time. Hopefully you've dealt with your rage issues, right? <laughs> so, let me ask you this. What is your story? What is your story and how do you tell it? 
How can you tell it? When you hear of a specific problem, can you think of a time that you encountered a problem like that? And what you did? And, and how God helped you? And how he led you through it and what you did in that situation? Okay, that's your story about that particular topic, right? So what are your experiences? That's your story. How did God deliver you? That's your story. Now, you've all heard a bunch of my stories because I've been telling them for 30 years. I've been telling you my stories. They're my stories. So I, maybe I'll get some new ones, but um, some of the old ones you've heard. Here's the story. You all know because I've told it 100 times. When Rick and I were first married, you know, we... Uh, uh, went to church. We got pregnant on our honeymoon. Maybe you didn't know that. And our baby was born nine months later. And on the first Sunday of her life, she was born on a Tuesday. On the first Sunday of her life, we went to church. And we, res we raised our hands and responded to the altar call and we gave our lives to Jesus. First Sunday of her life. She's never known life outside of well, you know, I mean, I'm not saying we got it all together that day. <laughs> I'm just saying that was the beginning of the journey, right? And uh, over the course of time, Rick took me to this weird church. And um, <laughs> I was on church, kind of. We went to a church when I was a kid, but um, it was, wasn't really alive, you know. And Rick took me to this weird church. And all these, uh, all the ladies there, you know, they, they didn't wear makeup, they didn't wear jewelry, they wore their hair, well, they wore their hair long, but you couldn't cut it, you couldn't wear pants, you know, have you ever been to a church like that? Rick took me there for three years, and I was, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I was like, Lord, is this what you want for me, you know? And I, I, be, I was honest with the Lord. I said, this is not what I want for me. But if this is what you want for me, I'll do it. But you just, I, I need to hear it from you. Because these women in this church, that was their holiness, was their outward adorning or lack thereof. That was their holiness. They were holy because of the way that they looked. But I hung out with them and I heard the words of their mouth. And those weren't holy. So I was really confused. I was like, I, I don't know. Is this what you want for me? And it was at that time when I said these words. I said, God, if you are who they say you are, show me. And I've shared that with 100 people because I want, I'll be honest with you, I want people to pray that prayer. I want them to say, God, if you are who she says you are, then show me, because I know that he will. If they'll just ask anybody, I don't care who we're talking to, if you'll just say, God, show me who you are, he will reveal himself to you. And he revealed himself to me over and over and over in so many ways. And those are a whole lot of stories, and you've heard some of them. But that's a part of my story. You know, just to finish that, that little story about those ladies, when I was, I was really struggling with 
the whole outward adorning thing, you know, because it's, there's scripture in the Bible that says, don't let your beauty come from your outward adorning, your braided hair and your silver and gold. And I, so I struggled with that. I was like, okay, Lord, it's in the word, you know, but is that what you want for me? And during a, a church service one Sunday, there was a woman up at the altar. Now I knew her and her daughter was very sick and she died not too long after that, her little girl. And she'd already lost one child. And she was at the altar and she was crying and she was just, you know, I don't know what she was saying, but she was crying. And I looked at her and right at that moment, the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, see, see her, there is nothing she could put on that would make her more beautiful. Nothing. And, and so, you know, he taught me through this time period in my life, he taught me all about that topic. I could tell you some more stories, but we, got, we don't have time for all that. But my experience at that time is a topic that I can speak to because God taught me something through that experience. It's, it's a part of my story. Once you've experienced God intervening in your life like that, there is nothing that anybody can ever say to talk you out of him. You can tell me all the blah, blah, blah you want about God's not real, but I'll tell you what, he showed up for me. I'm sorry for you, but this is, there's nothing anybody could ever say to talk me out of my God. Because when I called on him, he answered and he taught me all kinds of things. And those are all my stories about him in my life. You know, your testimony isn't about all the rotten things that you've done. It's about all the good things that God has done in your life, right? So, what did I say to the lady with the haunted house? Are you curious? <laughs> what would you have said? Move out. <laughs> Because, listen, I sincerely care about this person. And I want her delivered from the demons that are tormenting her. And so I asked her if she believed in God. And she said, I believe in many gods. And then I told her what I believe. I believe that God loved us so much that he left heaven, became a man, came to the earth in the form of a baby, born of a virgin. He grew up. He saved me from my sins. He died on a cross, was buried, rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for me. His name is Jesus. He defeated death and the devil at the cross. That's what I believe. Now, she believes a whole bunch of different stuff, and that's okay. Can you talk to somebody who doesn't believe like you with respect and dignity? I told her about spiritual authority. Because my Bible tells me Jesus, when he sent the disciples out, he said, I've given you authority. And he goes on in the scripture to tell us that all, I have given you all power over all the power of the enemy. 
right? So I told her about spiritual authority, and this is what I believe, that as a believer of Jesus Christ, I have the authority to command demons and evil spirits to leave us alone, to get behind me, Satan. I even told her, I used to tell people, write this down, I'll have a sticky note. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I belong to Jesus, but see, she doesn't. So I said, can I pray for you and anoint with you with oil? And I believe that by my faith that God will hear that prayer. And that according to my faith, let it be done. Now, you might be thinking, well, that, that ain't biblical, Diane. You can't apply your faith to somebody else. But no, I, I wondered that in the past. But I can... You know, why would the Bible tell us to, to, to come front and the prayer of faith will heal you? You know what? My faith works. And so I, I said to her, you know, by my faith, I can take that spiritual authority and I can pray over you. I told her about the demoniac that Jesus delivered. Remember, he drove those demons into pigs, you know, and they all ran off the cliff. I even told her about the seven sons of Sceva. Do you remember that story? They tried to take the authority, but they didn't have the authority. The Bible says they ran out of that house naked and beaten. And the demon said, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? I told her that I could pray and ask God to help her according to my faith. I told her that it was the blood of Jesus that delivers us from evil. I asked her if I could anoint her and pray with her. And then I grabbed my friend, who is Christian, and she was there too. And I said, come on. I got my anointing oil out of my purse. About that time, I, this other lady started getting nervous. She's like, well, I got to go. You know, and I said, no, it's only going to take a minute. It's okay. It's only going to take a minute. It's okay. And we, uh, we, we anointed her with oil, and we prayed over her. And I prayed that in the time of fear, you would call on the name of Jesus. She, she was kind of excited after that prayer. She ran out the door. She was, she was like kind of excited. And she ran out the door, and me and my friend, we looked at each other, and we go, whoa. <laughs> Do you believe that just happened, you know? <laughs> We were kind of excited too, you know. Later on that day, this lady, she, from across the room, she hollered at me. Well, she was telling me some other things that had happened in her house, and she hollered at me, and she goes, I may need to bathe in your oil. And I, I hollered back, it's not the oil, it's the blood of Jesus, you know. <laughs> you know what? You can tell your story to people who don't know what you're talking about in a way that will help them. You know what I want more than anything? I want my friend, when, when she is tormented, I want her to remember to say, Jesus, if you are who she says you are, would you help me? Right? It's time to use your mouth, ladies and gentlemen, because we have the words of life. We can't just sit here any longer. You encounter people every day that don't know Jesus, and they are never going to come to this church. 
They may never go to any church. And the devil could be ransacking their lives. So what are you going to do about it? Aren't we supposed to be about the Father's business? Do you care? I, I, I know that you do. And you know what? We miss so many moments because we're not prepared, right? And I'm going to tell you step one right here. Don't think about it. Once you engage your mind, you talk yourself right out of it. I could have sat there and, well, you know, I should pray for her, but you know what? She's going to think I'm nuts, you know, and whatever. And, you know, I did not think about it for a second. I was like, okay, get the oil. Come on, let's go. Here's what I know. Don't think about it or you talk yourself out of it. I've done this. We've all done this. We talk ourselves. We're thinking, oh, I should say this or I should pray or I should do this or that. And then we talk ourselves out of it. And then we're guilty. And then we're like, oh, Jesus, I missed it. Forgive me. And then we pray for another opportunity because we're ready now. Just be ready now. And I'm telling you, you don't have to know everything. All you have to do is tell your stories. Tell your stories, right? It's time to be ready. 25 years ago, I, here's a story of mine. Um, you've heard it before. Um, 25 years ago, my grandfather died. It might have been longer than that. I can't really remember when. Um, up in the UP in Escanaba, I went up there with my family. Uh, Rick didn't go. I, I'm not sure why. I think he was busy. And so he wasn't able to go. And so I went with my mom and my dad and my siblings. And, you know, we stayed in a hotel. And it was my grandfather's funeral. Well, we discovered just um, maybe it was at the funeral or just before the funeral service that the pastor couldn't go to the graveside service. And my mom said, well, that's okay. Diane can do it. <laughs> okay, this was 25 years ago. Would you have been ready to do a graveside service 25 years ago? Would you be ready today? 25 years ago, I was freaking out. <laughs> and we went back to the hotel, and my family, they all went out to dinner and out partying or something. I stayed in the hotel, and I got my Bible. Thank God I brought my Bible with me, and I start flipping through this book, and I was like, oh, Jesus, help me. You know, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. I didn't have no little funeral book, you know, with all the things to say, and I was just freaking out till 1.30 in the morning, and I had nothing and, I, and, you know, I was glad that my family was out that light because I needed that time. But I remember I shut the book and I just said, I can't. I, got, I don't know. And immediately, this happens to me all the time. I should just learn to shut the book a little. You know, stop trying to figure it out on my own. Because as soon as I shut the book, immediately the Holy Spirit said, just say what you know. You don't have to know everything. Just say what you know. Well, I know some things. I know more now than I did 25 years ago. But I, that's my message for you today. Just say what you know. 
You don't have to know where everything is in the, in the Bible. You don't have to have the scripture references, three points in a poem. You don't have to even be really good at speaking. But you know some things. And all you have to do is tell your story. You know, end of the story, the pastor showed up and I didn't have to do anything. Thank God. But I was ready. Even though I really can't tell you what they would have heard that day. But um, you know what? My story, I don't have to search the scriptures for my story. I don't have to have it written all down. I don't have to freak out about what I'm going to say to tell my story. I can do it without notes. Pastor Rick and I were talking the other day about church. We do that sometimes. We, uh, not always, you know. People think I know everything he knows and vice versa, and that's not true. He doesn't come home and tell me, well, here's what's going on with so-and-so, you know, and then I'll get, a, uh, somebody will see me and go, you know, pastor, you know, helped us so much the other night, and they look at me like I know. I don't know. Just so you know, I don't know. He doesn't come home and reiterate everything that's happened, and so I don't know. But sometimes we talk about church, okay? So we were, um, we've been on this journey together for over 30 years. And I, when I wrote this, I thought this was kind of funny, but it's true. We don't always know where we're going, but we like to look back and see where we've been. <laughs> For 13 years, God used us to minister up in West Branch. Um, and, and, and again, I've told this story before. This is my story. We had a guest speaker one time, and he was a, a minister, John Perminsky. Many of you may know him. He came up to our church to minister, and he's preaching, and then he prophesied over about this church. And he said, this is a church where leaders come to get healed. And, and then he said, just out of curiosity, how many of you people in the congregation were leaders in another church and something happened, you were hurt, whatever, you left, and you just really need to sit down and be healed? And 75% of the room raised their hands. Now, we did not know that's what we were doing. <laughs> You know, God has used us for years and years in marriage ministry. He took our mess, and it became a message. And God has used us for years to help people in their marriages. And, and do we know everything? No, but we have a story. We have stories about what God taught us and how God helped us, and we can use those stories. God will use even your messes, to help somebody else. He can use your story. You know, we, we talked about the fact that in this church, it seems, like I said, we don't always know what we're doing, but we can, we'll figure it out. In this church, you know, we have this vision to build disciples, to live the life you were born to live. We want to disciple people. We want you to what is a disciple? It's a follower of Jesus. We want you to follow Jesus, right? And um, 
Matthew 28, 19 is one of the scriptures that talk about the Great Commission. There are others, of course, but it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's the Great Commission. That's what we're all called to do, to go and make disciples, make followers of people, baptize them. You see that happening in this church. There's preaching, teaching, believers' school, men's ministry, women's ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry, all intended to build you up and encourage you to live the life you were created to live, making you followers of Jesus Christ. But why? Why? So we can just sit here? Because I've seen what happens to a church when you grow up a bunch of strong, comfortable people. Strong, comfortable. And we just sit there. You know what happens? God scatters us. He scattered us all. He sent us all in different directions, didn't he, Betty? And you know what was so cool was these were strong, powerful people. And God sent them into this church, into that church, and they became leaders over here and leaders over there. And God called them to do this and do that because he did not call us to be disciples and then to just sit here. And the hour is too late for us to do that anyway. The world is going to hell in a handbag to quote somebody, old lady. I don't know who came up with that. But right, right? Is it falling apart right before our eyes? And we know the answers. We, we know the healer. We know people that are hurting, that are broken, that are in pain, that are being... Uh, um, terrorized and we have the authority to stop that so we can't just sit here people do you know I heard on the radio the other day that 700,000 people have died of COVID now whether you believe that or not I don't care I'm just saying people are checking out left and right do they know Jesus do we have a responsibility to care? I think we do. The days are evil. People are living in fear. The devil is on the rampage. And we have authority over him. Do you recognize that, believers? We have authority. We've been given the authority. You know what the Bible says? That at the end of this life, we're going to stand before the Father and we are going to give an account for the life that we lived on earth. You know, Maybe that ought to scare us a little bit. Because God didn't save us so we could just sit here. And listen, not everybody, there, aren't, there isn't enough room. I mean, we could all run back to children's ministry, but I think they got a pretty good team. Now, I noticed there's a sign at the kitchen that there's kitchen help needed. And when I talked with the, the leader of the cafe, she said she had three. She has three workers. So the kitchen needs help. I know in audiovisual, and, you know, Pastor Rick made the comment that, 
you know, um, Cole can't, you know, I've seen him run from this camera to that camera, and then he's back there. They need help. But if all of us in this room went to go plug into all those places, well, then there'd just be, there'd be too much help there, right? If God's called you to do that, go do that. Don't just sit. But what I want you to hear me say today is out there is a whole world that doesn't know what we know. And they don't have the authority that we have. And all we have to do is tell our story. It's that easy. It's that easy. Your friends, your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, I am never going to meet them. All you got to do is tell your story and ask God to open your eyes to opportunities. You know, because I'm not saying let's go stand in the street corner and let's preach to people who aren't interested. I'm saying open your ears and listen. Listen to what people are saying around you. And if you are in tune to the Holy Spirit who lives in you, something's going to rise up that you know. And I'm telling you right now, don't think about it, just say it. It's time to use your mouth. Amen? So, I'm asking you, what is your testimony? What's your story? And, I, and I'm just going to tell you, you've got many, many stories. Not just one. Many times you called on God and he responded in some way, shape, or manner. Look for ways to share it. And don't hit people with your Bible. Let's not use Christianese because when you, when you start talking Christianese, you know what that is? It's a language that unbelievers don't understand. They don't know what the heck you're talking about. You can respond with love, with dignity, with respect, and perhaps change a life. Is that the last page? Yeah. So the handout that I put together is not regular. It's a list of eight questions. And they're questions that I hope that will prompt you to think about the way that you could tell your story, tell your stories. And if you're in a life group, when you guys get together, my hope is that You'll go through this list, and some of you will open up. And you'll, you'll answer some of these questions and let the group in on what your story is. And who knows, you might even minister to somebody in that group. But my real objective is for you to get so comfortable telling stories that are true that you're going to do it out there. That when, you, when you're sitting at work and you hear a coworker talking about an area of brokenness in their life, that you respond and say, I've been there. I know how you feel. You know what? I prayed and God heard my prayer. Whatever your story is, I don't know your stories, but you do. And you don't got to study up on them. You might need to practice telling them. Amen? Can you believe it? Can you receive it? Then give the Lord a praise. Awesome.
Praise the Lord. She always has a great word, I'm telling you. That's why when she says, I, I have a word, I usually respond. Amen. We have a, a saying in Ford's men's ministry, and it's actually a saying from Quest, is that uh, your story is your story. Amen. Your story is not my story to tell. And of course, in that setting, it's about confidentiality, but in Diane's setting, it is, you know, your story has benefit for somebody. And so tell your story. I remember uh, uh, a lot of years ago, some uh, I think it was a, a video series called Precious Memories or something like that. I thought sure Diane was going to tell that story. But uh, it was about uh, her and I doing our testimony and having a guy with a camera come into our, uh, into our house and, and, and videotape us uh, sharing our story. And Diane was... For TV, yeah. You want to tell that story? No, you tell. That's not my story to tell. <laughs> uh, and she was so nervous about it, and she studied, and she prepared, and she studied, and she prepared, and once again was one of those moments where the Lord just said, just say what you know. Just tell your story. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you can actually look it up on YouTube. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Were you blessed today? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, go ahead. If you're going to praise the Lord, do it. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me for a moment, would you? Father, lead us now just in this moment as we prepare to dismiss. Thank you, Lord. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I, I want to agree with what Diane said. It looks like we know every single person that's here. But, you know, the thing that we don't know is where you're at with Christ. And so maybe you are a born-again Christian, but you aren't, you are not walking with him like he used to. Maybe you want to make a recommitment today to say, you know, would you pray for me today that I can find my way back to the Lord in such a way that it's like it's even better than it was in the beginning. Is there anybody at all just by the raising of your hand would say, would you pray for, pray for me today? I, I, I need to recommit my life to Christ and start walking close with him again. Is there anybody at all that would, yes, God bless you. God bless you. There's one. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you, Father, for these that raised their hand. I just speak blessings upon them, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that they can just have a sense that you're there with them. All of those online, Lord, that may have raised their hands as well to say, yep, I, I, need, to get, I need to get back in the groove with Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that you will help them do so. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Well, stand with me as I prepare to dismiss you. Uh, we want to uh, send you out blessed today. I forgot to mention this earlier. He's around here somewhere, but uh, today is actually Tim Haggart's birthday. He's, uh, I, don't, I don't remember how old he is, like 50, 49, something like that. How old are you today? 52. 70? He's 70 today. Okay. 
He's holding up seven fingers. He's 70 today, so praise the Lord. 57? 57. Working on your way to the 60 club. Right on. We love you, Tim. We really do. Appreciate all that you do here. Uh, praise the Lord. So congratulate him. I know others probably have uh, birthdays as well. These are the ones that we have in the bulletin, which reminds me, use your bulletin. Read the things that are in here. It'll help you navigate through the week about the things that are happening at the church. And then, of course, I say this regularly about this perforated section for prayer requests and praise reports. Use them. Give them to us, uh, take them over to the information center or to the welcome center, either one, and uh, they'll get to us and our staff gets together every week and, 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 and prays over it. If you are visiting today, and I don't think that, I can't see a visitor, and, but anyway, but maybe you've only been here once or twice and you haven't had an opportunity to come to the newcomer's room, uh, I want to invite you to come visit with, Diane will be back there actually because uh, I have another meeting that I need to attend uh, but uh, go on back to the newcomer's room. Our ushers will help you find your way there and, uh, and have a moment to spend with Miss Diane. Uh, I'll be meeting with the follow-up ministry team, and we are going to be meeting in the staff lounge. And so uh, Miss Corey's back there. If you don't know where that's at, she can help you uh, get their follow-up team. And so uh, I speak blessings on you today. May the Lord be with you and be gracious to you and strengthen you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance go before you. And may the peace of the Lord chase you down all week long. I call you blessed in the name of Jesus. We'll see you soon. Have a great day.